0: This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse
1: community. Uh, We had a fantastic first hour of conversations, Paul, didn't
2: we? We did indeed. Um, Thank you to all our guests and thank you, Paul, for the news there. Thank you, Paul. Um, And as always, if you want to send us a message the uh, text number is 0427 569 949 or you can email us on air joy.org.au but we've now got our next guest fiona
1: yes uh emma
2: dawson executive director
1: of per capita uh welcome back to the show thanks so much great to be with you uh thanks for your time today i really appreciate it because i know that you are going to a party this afternoon is that right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> got a friend's birthday. Mm, got to be you've got to stand up for those. Now, mm-hmm. um, originally, when you and I first started chatting, we were talking, and we can get to this um, uh, about the Greens uh, and their platform of on the rental crisis. Uh, but in between now and then, of course, is the changes to the stage three tax cuts have been announced. And Emma, I believe you've been advocating for some time for these tax cuts. <laughs> can you perhaps give us a rundown of what your thoughts are on the? Um, the changes in policy?
0: Uh, Yeah, sure. Thank you. Look, it's it's a massive relief uh, this week to have seen uh, a meaningful change to that uh, tax package that was introduced about five or six years ago by scott morrison um, to to really um, redistribute the benefits to low and middle income earners uh, to make some changes to the tax scales that will provide uh, not just um, more money in the pockets of low income workers but will give them a, an incentive to take on more hours it's particularly beneficial for uh, for women in the care sector for part-time workers um, and of course it reduces the largesse going to the very wealthy uh, by about half in order to do that. So something I, I was uh, I was against this tax change from day one, uh, it was really an attack on progressive taxation to see that progressivity restored to the income tax rates uh, and an attempt really I think to uh, do something that is not only fairer but more efficient and better for the economy as a whole uh, is very welcome after a lot of years of um, <laughs> hoping that they would uh, they would do the right thing
2: Emma good morning it's Paul here Um, was it a surprise to you that this was announced this week uh
0: not completely. Um, I, I mean, I, I had no, you know, no inside information like anyone else. But uh, I was of the view that it was becoming increasingly, increasingly untenable not to take this action, uh, particularly given um, the changed nature of the economy. Uh, there was never a good reason. It was never a good policy. But I think um, uh, I was not. Uh, I was. I was not surprised. But I was. Well, I was pleasantly surprised, but not shocked uh, entirely. No.
2: So we were talking with Misha Ketchell earlier, Emma, about um, this very topic and whether it was good or a bad policy, but let's put that aside for one moment. The question that we were trying to t- discuss was, is it right for a politician to lie um, and then you know, change a policy that they said they would implement?
0: Uh, well i would suggest i would start by saying i don't i don't think the prime minister or the treasurer ever did completely lie on that i think that's a, a very strong phrase, word to use um, and i'm i'm against this culture that's come into our uh, body politic of uh, of journalists trying to catch politicians out and trying to get them to make policy on the run Uh, it's a promise that should never have been made, if indeed it was a promise. I think most of the time they were asked about this, the Prime Minister and the Treasurer said, we haven't changed our position. Now, people get annoyed with that, it's weasel words, etc., just tell us what you mean. Um, But I think if we were to suggest that an elected government can never make a change to the tax system without taking it to an election, Mm. that's actually pretty anti-democratic you know the major tool that the government has to control fiscal policy which is one of the two big levers that manages the economy is the tax system and this was not introducing an entirely new tax like the GST Mm. under John Mm. Howard or or the carbon tax under Julia Gillard. Mm. Uh, It was simply adjusting the tax scales, and that is core business of government. So this idea that if you don't take it to an election, you can't do it. We we don't ask the Reserve Bank to go to an election every time they change interest Mm. rates, right? Change interest rates. That's their monetary policy management tool. Mm. This is the government's fiscal management tool, and this is what we elect them to do. Um, I I think in this instance, like I said, it's not introducing an entirely new system. 85% of people will be better off everybody will get more money in their pocket than they did Mm. this year Mm. Um, and so I think this focus on whether or not it's a broken promise um is not only a distraction, but it, it, it's, in, it's an important conversation, but I'd come down on the other side of it, which is to say we should stop trying to get politicians to rule things in or out mm. before an election mm. because we elect them to govern to the circumstances. And if the circumstances change, they have to adjust accordingly, whether they've said something else three years ago or not.
2: Thank you.
1: Um, now, Emma, on another uh, subject that you are very uh, have written about a lot recently so the Australian population hit uh, 27 million this week and apparently uh, we are growing in numbers the size of population of Tasmania uh, and, you know, the question is, from a housing and the rental crisis point of view, I mean, this kind of growth isn't sustainable, you would imagine, because we don't have enough housing. Uh, now, you wrote recently about the Greens policy and their demands for uh, attention to the rental market. Can you tell us what you think the Greens uh, will be after and how they might be able to get those um, changes into the government
0: Sure, Fiona. So I think the first thing to say is um, that uh, immigration is not the main cause of the housing crisis. The housing crisis has been building for decades and it's a series of, of policy failures by all sides of government over 30 years. Um, immigrants are ultimately good for the country. We actually need more construction workers if we're going to build more houses. So um, I'm not a fan of that argument that says we can't take more people. It's our mm-hmm. responsibility to build the infrastructure. I think what we're, what we're seeing now is roughly a third of people now are renting in the, mm-hmm. in, the in Australia. We have seen a marked decline of about 5 to 6% in the rate of home ownership among people under 40 over the last decade. Mm-hmm. or So that's significant. It doesn't sound like a lot, but it is. Um, and so what we're seeing now is a, is a whole group of people who may rent for life. And in Australia, we don't have a rental market that's set up to support you permanently. Mm. It's seen very much as a temporary thing that you do when you're young or between houses but our entire system is geared towards buying a home. Mm. So we have weak protections for renters. Um, We also have, because of the structure of our property market and the incentives through things like negative gearing and the capital gains tax for ordinary working people to put extra money into property, we have a very unbalanced market. So something like Seventy-five, eighty percent of our landlords just own the one investment property. They're not in a position to offer longer leases or the kinds of um, rental arrangements that they have in European countries and America. Mm-hmm because we don't have those big institutional landlords. So renters have, they do, and particularly at the moment with with skyrocketing, with skyrocketing rental prices, low vacancies, um, it's really brought a spotlight on the poor conditions of renting in Australia, and that it's not a way to build a life, it's seen as something that's a very much a second class choice.
1: Absolutely, and the thing is that when you are renting, you are at risk, like you don't have any housing mm. security because you've only got a year long lease, the landlord can toss you out at any time, and if you want any sort of security, home ownership seems like, you know, if you could afford yeah. it, seems like a much safer option. So, yeah. um, I guess, are we are we trying to secure, you know, better rate rights for renters?
0: Yeah, look, I think one of the gratifying things, as we've seen over the last couple of years, particularly in Victoria. Um, And in Queensland and New South Wales is now starting to follow suit uh, is, you know, changes to things like banning uh, no grounds evictions. That's a really important measure um, because at the moment your landlord can as you said, turf you out for any reason. That's changed in Victoria. Um, there's still uh, a lack of support for renters. Um, you know, you're know, you not going to go through VCAT every time your rent uh, goes up. It's much easier just to move on, even though that's difficult. We don't have you know, a- a- adequate regulatory structures in place. One of the big, if not the biggest challenge, is that rents and prices are set by the states. They're regulated by the state governments. Uh, there's not a lot the federal government can do in this. Space. they don't have power over rents and uh, three referendum 1944 uh, 1948 and 1973 all tried uh, federal labor governments tried to get that power from the states and the Australian people said no it's in the constitution but it's very very difficult for the government to regulate the current private rental market what the government can do is act as a player in the market and build more social housing which um, you know in supply and, and puts downward pressure on rents in the private sector
2: too. Emma, because I think that that's the fundamental point, is that we've almost walked into this crisis over the last 30 years with our eyes closed, mm. because what you're describing is a fundamental shift in housing and um, mm. how we operate and, and use our housing security and our housing stock. Mm. Do you think we can actually reverse the trend, though, and try and mm. kickstart a massive housing building program that actually takes us back off? the rental drug and gives home ownership opportunities to more.
0: Yeah look I hope so. I th- I think I think it's important to say we shouldn't give up on home ownership. Mm. It, it brings many many goods uh, good things for people other than just a, an immediate roof over their heads. Like you said that sense of security, the ability to put down roots in a community. It also um leads to you know we there's a strong correlation between owning a home and having a higher income. Uh, not mm. the not the other way around. Uh so home ownership is a good thing. Um what the government's doing at the moment is building a lot of social housing for commu- and community housing, public and community housing for rentals. Um, and they're introducing into the into the Parliament when they come back in February a help to buy scheme which will allow the government to be like a shared equity uh, mm. investor with you in your first home. Uh, so there's, there's targeting both sides there, both the rental market and uh, home ownership. We can turn it around but it is going to take time. And one of the things that nobody seems willing to talk about is those tax concessions that mm. really distort... Mm. the investment behaviour and encourage speculation in mm. the market. Mm. And that creates a very unstable market as well. These things take a lot of time and, and uh we we took a lot of time to get into this mm. mess. It's gonna take us some time mm. to get out. Yeah.
1: Yeah, those, top, those uh, areas of political hot potatoes. Uh, Emma, mm. thank you so much. We have run out of time. I'd uh, love to have you back again to talk more about these subjects because I'm sure the Joy listeners are very keen to, to hear your points of view on this. Have a great week, the rest of your weekend and thanks again.
2: Thanks so much. I'd love to talk to you anytime. Thanks, Emma. Bye, Emma. You're on Sustain Magazine with Paul and with Fiona this morning. Stay with us. We've got a whole lot more coming up. Thanks for listening to another JOY podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, JOY. Help keep JOY on air. Head to joy.org.au. JOY, a diverse sound for a diverse community.